Blog Talk Radio. Fuck all you hoes. Get a grip, motherfucker. Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the niggas in the struggle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Pizza, raw G, Brucey B, kick it free. Funk, master flex, love bug, star ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Uh. With Robin Leach And I'm far from cheap I smoke stuff with my peeps all day Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way The Moet and Allen, they keep me pissy Girls used to diss me Now they write letters cause they miss me I never thought it could happen This rapping stuff I was too used to packing gats and stuff Now honeys play me close like butter play coat From the Mississippi down to the East Coast Condos and Queens in dough for weeks So loud seats to hear Biggie Small speak Living life without fear Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear Lunches, brunches, interviews by the pool Considered a fool cause I dropped out of high school Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood And it's still all good, uh And if you don't know, now you know, nigga I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this 50-inch screen, money green, leather sofa Got two rides, a limousine with the chauffeur Phone bill about 2G flat No need to worry, my accountant handles that And my whole crew is lounging Celebrating every day, no more public housing Thinking back on my one-room shack Now my mom pimped the act with mix on her back And she loves to show me off, of course Smiles every time my face is up in the sauce We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us No heat, wonder why Christmas missed us Birthdays was the worst days Now we sip champagne when we thirsty uh, Damn right I like the life I live Cause I went from negative to positive And it's all And if you don't know, now you know, nigga uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Skybox. 
But of course, it's your boy Tails. What it do? Can you believe it's been 19 years since that man has passed away, has been gone? 19, 19 years. years. I know. 19, 19 years today. Long years. I know. You do know that was the reason why I played that, too. I, it, oh, trust me. I already know what, how you think, bro. I already know. How, we've been mm-hmm. doing this long enough. I know how you think. Oh, by the oh, way, I'm course, the people, Chef. How y'all doing? How y'all doing, everybody? Dude. Oh, man. We have... No, are you ready to go in? We have such a jam-packed show. Y'all out there listening live, first of all, thank y'all for listening. This is the first time since, like, this is the first time we're going two hours. This is how much stuff we got to cover that we are going two hours. This is a supersized edition of the Skybox. We're going to be talking UFC 96. WWE Roadblock. We're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament with a special guest. Uh, we're talking all that. We're even going to talk about how Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors got embarrassed by L.A. over the weekend. But we're mostly going to be going to be talking about how the free agent frenzy that took place start when free agency kicked off today, Wednesday, March the 9th. So you Definitely want to stay to stick with us for these two hours because we are going in. You feel me? Mhm. You already know. I got my coffee ready. I done ate my dinner. I done had two glasses of well, two cups of uh sweet red wine. Uh, sweet red wine. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I'm hyped. Let's get into it. Get into it. We're gonna get into it with the quick three here. Uh, as everybody knows, the quick three are three quick news stories that we that we're gonna touch on just real real quick. That's why it's called the quick mm-hmm. three. Aha! Uh-huh. There you go. Uh, first quick Love three it. story has has to do with uh, former Eagle and current Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad safety Earl Wolf. Uh, on February the twenty third, south of Fayetteville, North Carolina, it was reported that Wolf was kidnapped by a group of men. Uh, a group of armed men. Uh, Fayetteville police spokesman Antoine Kincaid said that, quote, uh, this was according to uh, Fayetteville Observer, Fayetteville Observer writer Thomas Pope saying, quote, we don't know how long he was kidnapped, but it was a very short, it was a short period of time, end quote. Uh, Jaguar senior manager of public relations, Tad Dickman, tweeted out that the state, that uh, Wolf was, quote, doing well mentally and physically. Uh, the uh, Fayetteville Police Department already have a man in custody, Bobby Deshaun Bailey, who was arrested in connection with kidnapping and is being held on $156,000 bail after he was charged with robbery with a dangerous weapon, first-degree kidnapping, conspiracy, larceny, possession of marijuana, and possession of a stolen motor vehicle. Now, Wolf appeared in only 18 games and started in seven over the course of two seasons with the Eagles. The NC State product did rack up 51 total tackles, an interception, and six defended passes. But his 2014 season was cut short due to a knee injury and another eating ailment that cropped up during training camp last summer forced the Eagles to cut him before the 53-man roster was set. And again, he spent his 2015-2016 season on the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. So it's good to know that that story ended uh, pretty good. He was he's doing well and everything like that. 
So I'm pretty sure that he will never be the same after something like that. Um, Rob Diedrich, uh, the famous uh, pro skateboarder and reality TV star, uh, and his wife, Brianna, made a very, very super cute announcement via social media to announce that they're going to be parents for the first time coming up in September. Uh, they di- direct posted a picture on his Instagram account of him and his wife in a kiss with a picture of a sonogram along with balloons in the background and a very, very happy, a very good, sweet message from Ross saying, quote, when you have a forever love so great, the ultimate way to express it is by creating a child together. I am so happy to announce my beautiful wife is pregnant with our first child. We are so blessed, so happy, and looking forward to bringing an amazing young boy into this world. Now, their marriage started off with a very viral uh, proposal that took place at Disneyland uh, back five months before they officially got married on September 2015. Uh, So congratulations to Rob and Brianna. They are getting ready to become parents for the first time with a baby boy coming up later this year. So congratulations to them. And uh, finally, another Hall of Fame announcement. I'm telling you, this is going to be a constant part of the quick three until the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, The big boss man uh, known as Ray Trailer, the big boss man, has been announced as the next inductee into the 2016 Hall of Fame class. The uh, former corrections officer from Cobb County, Georgia, was widely regarded as one of the most agile big men in WWF, WWE history. He had a lot of memorable feuds in the early 90s with uh, superstars such as Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, the Mountie, and Nails. He will also have uh, a stint in WCW, though he had some very bad uh, gimmicks such as the Boss, the Guardian Angel, and then Big Bubba Rogers before eventually resting under his real name of Ray Trailer. Bossman would then return to WWE uh, in 1998 as the Big Boss Man in a new look um, and what was some of the most amazingly cringeworthy moments in company history. Uh, unfortunately, Big Boss Man Ray Trailer did die of a heart attack on September 22, 2004, at the age of 41 in his home in Dallas, Georgia. So his induction into the Hall of Fame will be done posthumously, but it is long overdue for the man who was a former hardcore champion and a former tag team champion. So Bossman joined Sting, the Fabulous Freebirds, the God, and the Godfather as, a, as Hall of Famers. And just to add a note, there is a rumor that is going around, that Jacqueline, who was the first African-American women's champion, may end up being the next person to go in on this class. So stay tuned to the next to quick, the next quick three next week. That announcement might come next week or sometime in the next couple of weeks, but just be on the lookout for that. And that is your quick three uh, right here on the Skybox. And that should lead us into our first topic, which is the upcoming event coming up this Saturday. Yes, WWE roadblock. I mean, it was like this. This review just came out of nowhere. Like, 
oh, okay. I, I like. I mean, I was surprised by the move. I mean, I thought it was a good way to uh, promote the road to WrestleMania. I mean, you really can't call it a pay-per-view, per se. It's, I, they're dubbing it as a special event. Just like, yeah. you know, the Beast in the East or, you know, live from Madison Square Garden, something like that. You know, I really, they wouldn't really could, wouldn't classify this as a pay-per-view. And, I mean, when you look at the card, there are only four advertised matches on the card. So you got to think that they're going to have some other matches that are just going to be thrown in there. So it's not going to be a pay-per-view caliber event, but it's just going to be an event that's going to really, that'll, I don't know. I think it'll get, you know, it's their way of trying to get the people excited for WrestleMania. And, you know, it is, WrestleMania yeah. is still like almost, a little under a month away, you know what I'm saying? So it's like something to wet everybody's exactly. whistle. But at the same time, when you only have four advertised matches and you're going to surprise people with other matches, that kind of can be a hit or a miss. I mean, here's, here's the four matches that they've advertised. We know about Triple H versus Dean Ambrose for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The other matches are Bray Wyatt's going to face Brock Lesnar. Okay. Yep. Um the WWE Tag Team Championships are going to be defended. The New Day are going to face Sheamus and Wade Barrett of the League of Nations. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the NXT Tag Team Championships are going to be defended. It's going to be the Revival, Dash and Dawson, facing Enzo and Cash for the Cash for the championships. Okay. Those are your four matches. Three of them are championship matches. But mm-hmm. then you don't really have anything else on there, you know, to really get anybody excited to want to watch that on a Saturday night, you know? I mean, what do you? Th- what are your thoughts, Chill? I mean, honestly, for I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of pretty pretty with this. Um, they only advertise the four matches. Yes, I mean that could be a hit or miss right there, like you said. But I mean, honestly, I think I think it's a it was a good idea to have a, a actual event like this on a road to WrestleMania. I mean, if done right with proper build up, I mean, this could actually really get people excited for WrestleMania. Because um, so far, looking at the WrestleMania card, I mean, I'm not really impressed. Hopefully, something that Roadblock will go down to the point where it will actually change a few things about change the will actually do enough to change the cards and make it better for WrestleMania. Um I'm just gonna say this should be interesting. That's what I'm gonna finish with. It should be interesting to watch. It should be interesting to see what goes down. Yeah. I agree. I mean you think about you think about just the four, already the four advertised matches. I mean, they all have a story to them. Like you look at Bray versus uh, Brock. You know the the Wyatt family threw Brock out of the Royal Rumble match, cost them a chance to become world champion. So you know a little bit of payback there. Uh, of course, Dean and Triple H theirs has been playing out on TV as well. 
uh, tag team championship matchup. I mean, the New Day's been on on YouTube slandering the hell out of the League of Nations. I mean, oh my God, I yeah. still yeah. I still laugh my ass off at uh, at Biggie's impression of Rusev. Matchka. That that shit has me dying laughing every time I think about it. Matchka. Well, Kofi King. Okay. Well, Kofi Kingston and Sheamus. Like, really? Yeah. Hey, Stella. Do you have that, my beer beads? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dude, that shit was dude, funny. Do they get? Do they take? They will. They are killing my school at the new League of Nations like that. But they got to face them. Of course, if anybody out there watches NXT, I'm definitely one that watches NXT. The Dash and Dawson, uh, Enzo and Cass rivalry has been going on for months since October. So you know. All is all four of these matches all make sense. I just have a feeling they're gonna put matches on there that are not gonna make it. They're not gonna make any sense. Yeah. You know, they're gonna they're not gonna make any kind of sense. And it's just like, okay, why am I watching this? You know, why is this going on? You know, and that's that's what I'm afraid of. I mean, they might end up having they might end up having AJ versus Y2J on this special event instead of saving for WrestleMania. Now, can I just say, I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of people out there who have Y2AJ shirts who are probably pissed off right now that they paid $20 for that shirt, and that team didn't okay. last two weeks. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I am a huge okay. fan of both. However, knowing the history of Jericho, he is quick to make a heel turn. So, I mean, I was a surprise Monday night when he did the hill turn. Why? Because I, I kind of called it out. I said, okay, they got a tag team title shot. Jericho's going to turn heel. I mean, it, it, it would have been nice if they uh, would have actually saved the hill turn. I mean, it would have I mean, been a little bit better. But for those that bought that shirt, God, I, I don't even have to work on that. I mean, it's like I don't. It's like I want to say I I feel bad, but yeah. Um, honestly, I'm glad that the heel turn happened though. I mean, yeah, they could have pushed it back a little bit, at least until Roadblock, but. Honestly, I'm tired of seeing AJ and Y2J. I'm tired of seeing them face face each other one-on-one, and I'm tired of seeing them as a tag team. Can y'all please do something else with AJ Styles? It's starting to defeat the purpose of you bringing him in. Also, you know Jericho is still on, is on his Legends contract, and he won't be around long, so... This angle will die soon, but at the same time, like, I mean, at this point, AJ should be in a different feud right now. I agree. I definitely agree. And uh, just real quick before we move on to to our next topic, which is uh, the UFC number 196, just gotten word that today is the birthday of two very well-known wrestlers from back in the day. Uh, the Russian Nightman, Nikita Koloff, turns 57 today, and the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner, 54 today. So happy birthday 
after those two, you know, multiple time tag team champions, as well as U.S. champion Nikita Koloff, very a legend in his own right as well. So congratulations, congratulations, and happy birthday to those two gentlemen there. Mm, I'm still I'm still waiting on that uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion ring for Nikita, but you know what? I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm done. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't care how long I don't care how long ago he retired. Then it has to happen before I die. Okay, okay, I'm done. Okay. All right, moving on. This past Saturday in Las Vegas, uh, the UFC held its uh, monthly uh, pay per view. It was the 196th pay per view that they had. UFC 196, and can I just say because I saw the main card, and can I just say that aside from the co-main events, the card was very underwhelming. It really, it just was underwhelming. I mean, three of the matches all went the distance with people winning by unanimous decisions. It was just like, what am I really watching here? Like, what is this? Um, the uh, Wyndham's bantamweight contender Amanda Nunes defeated Valentina Shevchenko a unanimous decision with a, a unanimous scorecard 29-28-29-28-29-27. Uh, lightweight, light heavyweight contender Corey Anderson defeated Tom Lawler via unanimous decision 30-27, 30-27, And light, another light heavyweight contender Il Latif, Latifi defeated Gian Villante via unanimous decision all judges scoring about 30 to 27. So I'm like, okay, I hope that these two matches that are after that are going to save this. And sure enough, they bought it. Uh, as you know, Holly Holm, the women's bantamweight champion before this match, was coming in. This was her first defense of the championship that she won by knocking out Ronda Rousey and ending Ronda Rousey's undefeated streak. And Holly Holm was almost going to go to dishes with Misha Tate until Misha Tate put the chokehold on her. And Holly Holm tried to flip her off, and that was a mistake because she held on like a bulldog and made her and made her pass out at three minutes and thirty seconds of the fifth round. And in a one, and she was a one and done champion. Misha Tate, who twice before has lost to Ronda Rousey for that championship, is now the bantamweight champion, and will have the an enviable task of facing a, pot, a really pissed off, hungry Ronda Rousey to, for that championship later on down the road. Misha Tate, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, the main event. No, that's okay. And then the main event, which was so hyped. I mean, it was the most highly anticipated. It was a whole, such a hype matchup. Between Nate Diaz and W and UFC featherweight champion Conor McGregor, who went up to the welterweight weight class to face Diaz, this match went all went one round before it ended early in the second round when Nate Diaz locked Conor McGregor in a rear naked choke and forced Conor McGregor to tap out. So Conor McGregor taps out four minutes, 12 seconds into the second round, and Nate Diaz walks away with the victory. I'm just saying, like, those two matches somewhat saved what was a very lackluster card. Mm 
what yeah, do you it think, really was. Honestly, the card was very lackluster. Uh, well, this is going to be uh, a pay-per-view event. I mean, like, I mean, the main reason people wanted to see, people possibly paid for that, paid for that uh, event was because of the last two matches, though. I mean, I mean, in our eyes, I mean, that was pretty much a double main event. Like, Tate versus, I mean, Holmes versus Tate, McGregor versus Diaz. I mean, both fights did actually live up to the hype. I mean, some probably say that McConnell Diaz, I mean, it, it should have, it, they were surprised that uh, it ended in the second round, but man, you can get caught with a submission move at any given moment. I mean, especially in UFC. So, honestly, those two matches alone, those two fights alone, I mean, I can't say that I was disappointed by either one of them. I mean, everybody, nobody gave, nobody gave Tate a chance to be Holly Holmes. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to call it the upset of the year, but I mean, it goes to show you. It's, the fight is not over until the set of these things. I mean, you're right. Tate, Tate didn't have much of a chance, and then, you know, she turns around, chokes her out, and there you go. But next, I mean, I'm looking for. No, what I was going to say is, I mean, that's why I like the unpredictability of sports. Because you never know when the underdog will rise and (laughs) surprise the world. I mean, it happens. Indeed, that's why. That's one of the things in the UFC. Definitely one of the views of the UFC. I love that's why I love the UFC because I'm starting to become a big fan of the UFC because of that that whole thing with the underdog just showing up and showing out, you know what I'm saying? I mean Nate Diaz was an underdog for the most part. And he showed up and showed out, so I can't wait for you. I'm telling you right now, I can't wait for UFC 197. I want to see what happens with UFC 197. I'm going to be watching every, a pay-per-view every month going forward. Because it's going to be fun. All right. So everybody out there that's listening, if you're listening out there, you know, if you listen to us live on the CSLTS or on the CSLTS channel on Blog Talk Radio, we thank you for listening. Uh, if you listen to us on the phone line, we thank you for listening. Uh, for those of y'all listening online, uh, definitely give us a call three four seven two one five eight five five eight to talk to us about what we're talking about here. Again, this is a super size edition of Skybox. We're going two hours. Today, tonight, because we have so much to talk. We've already covered our quick three. We've already covered uh, WWE Roadblock, which is taking place this coming Saturday on the WWE Network. I'll still be watching it. Don't judge me. And then we also talked about UFC 196, which took place this past uh, this past Saturday out there in Las Vegas, uh, where 
Misha Tate became the women's bantamweight champion, defeating Holly Holm in the fifth round with a submission. And Nate Diaz defeating Conor McGregor via submission in the uh, sec- early in the second round. So I think we I think we lost chills for I think we lost chills. And um, guess we're waiting to get him back. But um, once we get him back, we will. Um, but what I, before we get him back, um, next we're going to talk about the. Uh, as you, everybody knows, the March Madness tournament is getting ready. Is right upon us. Uh, it'll kick off next week. Next week, it'll the NCAA tournament will kick off, and it'll be the quest for teams who make it to that point to try to become national champions. Uh, conference tournaments are already in full swing as uh, you find out who will represent their conference to get an automatic bid with the remainder of the spots going to uh, at-large selections that will be made on March the 13th coming up uh, for Selection Sunday. Uh, right now, 11 schools are in are already in the March Madness tournament, and I'll name them off right now. Uh, you have Florida Gulf Coast from the Atlantic Sun Conference, uh, they won that tournament three days ago. Their championship was three days ago. Uh, another championship was three days ago in uh, North Carolina, the Big South Conference, won by UNC Asheville. Uh, UNC uh, Wilmington won the Colonial Athletic uh, Association Conference championship two days ago. Uh, so they're moving on to March Madness to the March Madness tournament. Green Bay, out of the Horizon League, won their championship. Yesterday, will uh, represent their conference in the March Madness tournament. I just heard something. Oh, well. Hello? Oh, you back? You there, Chill? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what happened. Like, yeah, I'm back on. The, the technical difficulties. But I was just going over the 11 teams that are already in before we bring in our special guest. Uh, Ivy League does not have a tournament champion. They have just a regular season champion, and that went to Yale, who will be in their first March Madness uh, tournament since 1962. Iona will represent the uh, the Metro Athletic uh, Atlantic Athletic Conference. Uh, North Northern Iowa will represent the Missouri Valley. The Northeast Northeast Conference will be represented by Fairleigh Dickinson. Austin P will represent the Ohio Valley Conference. The uh, Southern Conference will be represented by Chattanooga. South Dakota State represents the Summit League. And, of course, Gonzaga, who always seems to be in the March Madness Tournament, once again is in representing the West Coast Conference. The other conferences are just getting their tournaments up and running. But before we get into that, I want to introduce somebody who will help us to talk about these conference championships and next week's March Madness tournament. Um, he had he actually hosts his own. He's actually a co-host of his own uh, radio sports talk uh, show locally in Louisville, Kentucky, known as Triple Threat Talk. Uh, he is a he has been a previous contributor to the show in the past. He's a good friend of mine and a very knowledgeable sports guy. I want to bring in my man Fifty Grand, the Doctor. To, to give us a little bit of his knowledge on the NCAA basketball tournament. Doc, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you all doing tonight? 
Oh, we're good, great. man. Welcome How are to you? The Skybox, Doc. Hey, I'm doing well. We just wrapped up things over on good old WXVW. Uh, we were broadcasting uh, live, man. I tell you what, one, one thing, one thing that I hope you guys find out soon because I'm telling you what, I listen to your all show. I tell Champ this whenever we talk online, whenever we're doing our commentary skids. I tell him all the time that I, I listen to you guys, and it's not going to be too long before someone locally picks you all up, like they picked up Triple Threat Talk, because you guys know what you're talking about, um, and you guys are you guys are pretty good at uh, at breaking down everything. I especially liked the uh, the UFC breakdown you all were just going through, but I'm going to tell you one quick thing about the Y2 the the Y2 AJ shirts. Those were very special limited edition shirts, okay? Very special limited edition for a very special limited run for uh, AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. <laughs> okay. Remember, remember, folks, the key word and what he just said was limited. Yes, very, very then, limited. <laughs> Almost exclusive, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's already kind of. <laughs> It's already been madness, man. I, I tell you what, March Madness has has already lived up to its name in some of these uh, in some of these mid-major tournaments that we've seen. Yes, indeed. I already just, there's already eleven schools, doc. Eleven schools who've already uh, who've already qualified for the tournament, and we're still looking at some more other mid-major conferences plus some major conferences such as the ACC, which. For I think this is the first time that they're not going to be in North Carolina. They're actually here in D.C. this year for the ACC tournament at the Verizon Center. They are, in fact, in uh, in D.C. and of course will be lacking the Louisville Cardinals, who have a self-imposed season ban uh, because of the local uh, scandal going around, especially here in Louisville, Kentucky. It has been getting nonstop coverage from both our station as well as local ESPN, as well as uh, local Fox affiliates as well. So uh, self-imposed ban keeps uh, Louisville out. And, of course, moving to another conference entirely, but we'll get back to the ACC, I'm sure, SMU also being withheld from the tournament from an NCAA-imposed ban uh, for yet more uh, for yet uh, more infractions on their uh, on their on their squads. Goddamn SMU! Holy crap! I mean, yeah. haven't, haven't they learned their lesson? I mean, granted, well, I mean, SM- football where they got punished, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it, SMU is interesting because, as you said, Joe. I mean. You you would think that they would learn their lesson. Uh, you know, the NCAA has already landed them with a death penalty before, and I guess right. they kind of liked how that felt because they kind of yeah, went around did. and did it again. So, you know, it, it's – I don't know. It, it's it's kind of like a bad relationship without a safe word, I guess, is what you can say it is. But it's yeah, – uh, it, it's, yeah. it's – it's, it's, it's uh, it, it it very much is unfortunate for SMU and very much um, very much unfortunate for Louisville, who of course has the two fifth year seniors um, on them with Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, who have just been absolutely phenomenal this year for the Cardinals. That's unbelievable. Uh, so, Doc, when you look at some of these, when you look at some of these tournaments like the ACC or the Big Ten. Uh, well, let's look at the big thing because you know my favorite team, Maryland's in that that conference. They're playing their conference their conference tournament out in Indianapolis. Uh, the first round actually kicked off today. Uh, out of the Big Ten, who do you see 
who do you see coming out of the Big Ten going to the tournament in terms of like the automatic and 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 if any and if any any at large teams? Oh yeah, you're going to see several at large teams uh, out of the Big Ten. You can expect Indiana to go dancing as well as Michigan State, Maryland, of course, as well as Purdue, and maybe one or two others out of there. But those are the four you can expect to see uh, going dancing uh, after Selection Sunday, after their car, after their uh, tournament wraps up Saturday night. Um, uh, but I'm sorry, Sunday at three o'clock will be the Big Ten championship game. Uh, so you know it. It really is interesting because Maryland has done phenomenal. Uh, of course, they had a little bit of a setback this past week uh, against Indiana, Indiana getting the best of the Terrapins, 80, 80 to uh, 62. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you look at it, this Maryland team is special. It's very good. They've been in the top ten most of the year. But, you know, you just had a little setback. Assembly Hall on senior night, I'm going to tell you, there's no other environment, and I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan personally, but as far as as far as a pure environment, I don't think any college, uh, any college, including Cameron, Rupp Arena, Yum Center, you know, any of those places, none of those quite compare to the environment that you see on a senior night in Assembly Hall in Bloomington. I, it is just a ruckus. People love their Hoosiers. They love what Big Ten Coach of the Year uh, Tom Crean has done with the program. He is on the hot seat, but overall they love when they win. Of course, Tom Crean had a lot of success a couple years ago when they were ranked in the number one spot for the majority of the year. He's kind of been on the back burner and has caught some heat, but he's got his boys playing, which is surprising because of the loss of James Blackman earlier this year. So when you have – when, when you have James Blackman go out, of course, you think the Hoosiers are doomed. Uh, in fact, no, they're not. They actually learned how to play defense with the absence of James Blackman and uh, have been a fantastic force, uh, scoring 83 points a game and defending quite marvelously, holding uh, opponents to an average of 72 points a game since the loss of James Blackman. So I think Indiana, as well as Michigan State, are both strong contenders to cut down the net Sunday out of the Big Ten tournament. All right. Uh, That was well put. Yeah, another question for you, Doc. Um, When it comes to the mid-majors, everybody knows that every year with the March Madness tournament, a mid-major takes a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Out of all the mid-major schools out there, including the ones that are already in the tournament, who do you think will make a deep run, and how deep will they go? You know, three or four times this year in particular, um, 60% of the top 25 have lost at least one game uh, in, during their two-week skids, uh, during their two-game skids per week. Um, so this year is incredibly wide open when it comes to uh, when it comes to who's going to be, uh, you know, cutting down the nets at the end in April. But at the same time, when you look at what's going on in the in the college landscape as a whole right now, you do see a very susceptible part to be open to Big Ten uh, to a to a uh, to a mid major. Sorry, to a mid major winning. Um, I you know it, it isn't outside of the realm of possibility that a mid major cuts down the nets this year. And if anyone were to do it, it, it would be phenomenal. My call from the very beginning has been Dayton. 
I think the Dayton Flyers prep, uh, represent a very tough mid-major school to get in. They've been tough all year. Of course, they lost a heartbreaker to St. Bonaventure uh, late in the season. But, you know, any given night somebody can lose, as we have found out in the college landscape all this year. But, uh, of course, St. Bonaventure is going to be uh, – many predict them to be dancing. However, one other mid-major that I think we need to keep our eye on, despite losing their conference championship to the Island Gales, is uh, Monmouth. I think Monmouth uh, – if if the NCAA tournament committee does not put Monmouth in the tournament, I think there's an incredible sin that's been committed because I don't know what more you want Monmouth to do because they've – if we talked on our show earlier tonight, you know, they, they've they beaten uh, 17 uh, road and neutral site wins. 13 of those were road pure road games. And they came over teams such as UCLA, uh, USC, and the 17th ranked uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish at the time. So I don't know at what point what more you want them to do. Yes, they lost to Canisius, Manhattan, and Army, who all have an RPI of worse than 215. But at the same time, your your true wins were absolutely incredible wins, all in the top 50. So I don't know what more this committee could want uh, Monmouth to do. And I, I really think that Monmouth uh, has a chance to take a deep run. And, of course, one other team that, uh, that I thought would have been absolutely hilarious if they did get in, they played Florida Gulf State for their championship the other day and came one last second a shot away from uh, from going dancing. And had that been the fact, Stetson would have been a 22-loss team, which surely would have put them on route to be a 16 seed in the big dance. Yeah, I remember you were telling me about that, too. I was, I was like, good Lord, that would have been a travesty to see a 22-loss team in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I got two more questions for you, Doc, and I'm sure Chills has a question. Matter of fact, Chills, if you have a question for him, go ahead and ask it. I got two more I want to ask him. Uh... Honestly, I really don't. I mean, I want to ask him uh, how many Vikings will he be doing this year because I might end up doing several again. I I usually do because I am a Kentucky fan. I usually do a bracket no matter what. Now, they could be the worst team in the league uh, in the tournament, which they were in the Gillespie years, God knows. Uh, but uh, I usually do a bracket just out of pure fandom for uh, Kentucky making it to the to all the way. But I, I usually fill out about three or four, um, three or four brackets a year, and uh, usually those do pretty good for me. I don't fill out a whole lot of them. I know some people in, a, in the business, they fill out like 10. I'm like, why? You know, just there's not going to be that. March Madness is going to happen at one point. You're not going to predict what round it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So why, why bother filling out 10? Just roll with the punches and enjoy the madness that is March. All right, so I got two questions for you. The first question, the first question is, is this the year that a number one seed goes down to a 16 seed? You know, there's been a lot of speculation about that, and you know, people have said it is going to happen one year, and I honestly believe that this could be the year that it happens. Every year on my blog, I do a 16 seed to watch the last three years. If you follow my blog or if you follow the show, um, I've come incredibly close, most notably two years ago, 
Connecticut played a number a number 16 seed that took them to within 18 points, who is actually leading them by 10 points at the half. So um, it, it came incredibly close. And last year, um, I came within six points of being right. So it, it, it just is amazing how much uh, how the competitive advantage between a one and a sixteen has 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 shrank so much in so little time. Especially, I think uh, what has a huge part to do with that is the NBA uh, instituting, of course, the one and done rule that's fallen under such criticism lately. Because it seems to me, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks thinks this, but it seems to me that the NBA is certainly uh, is certainly depleting the uh, the the pool of uh, NCAA of excellent NCAA uh, players, and you know certain players uh, in the NCAA they go they want to play especially at Kentucky, but then you've got players like Ben Simmons who went to LSU. LSU of course is on the bubble this year. They may or may not go dancing, but Ben Simmons went there just to stand out. You knew he was going to be one and done, best player in the country for to to show my point. Ben Simmons, in my opinion, and several others' opinions, definitely the best player in the country. Other people might put Buddy Heald in that conversation. But Ben Simmons, the best player in the country, may not even go dancing this year. So that's definitely something to think about when you're Adam Silver looking at what's going on, especially when you have so many players that have been drafted in the last couple of years. Uh, most notably, Anthony Bennett, who uh, you know is just absolutely miserable pro career so far. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things when you're Adam Silver, you're looking at several teams drafting players, uh, several talented players out of a, out of a, out of a league that, you know, you, you want your employees to be fully trained and they're definitely not being fully trained with the one and done rule in play. And I think you put all those things into consideration in a 16 seed. Uh, basically, I, I think this year may actually be the year. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. I will say that. Okay. okay. Uh, last That's question. Last, yeah, the last question before uh, we let you go, and I'm going to put you right on the spot. Who wins the tournament this year? I think Michigan State. Um, Michigan State, I believe, Tom Izzo, in my opinion, is the most consistent best coach in the NCAA. You can also argue the co- uh, the cases for, of course, Mike Krzyzewski, uh Rick Pitino, who won't be dancing this year, but uh, Coach Calipari, Bill. Bill Self, I don't put into a good March coach discussion because some reason Kansas always seems to choke when it comes to tournament time. And it, it's beyond me because Bill Self is a fantastic coach, uh, in, in both regular season and in the co- in, in conference. But for some reason, when postseason, Bill Self is just – his record speaks for himself. He had an embarrassing loss to Bucknell a couple years ago, a few years ago, I should say. I mean, they just always find a way to lose at Kansas in March. But I think that uh, – I think Tom Izzo is definitely uh, a capable coach. He uh, He has had the longest streak of having – all of his players play in the Final Four, which came to an end. Well, all four-year players playing in the Final Four, which came to an end last year. But this year, he's got Michigan State running on all cylinders. At the very beginning of this season, on Triple Threat Talk, I named Michigan State the most underrated team in college basketball, and they went on to prove me right in the Champions Classic by by knocking off Kansas 
they were 17th ranked Michigan State playing against Kansas, who was in the top five. Michigan State absolutely blew them out of the water. I've been on the Michigan State train for the entire season. I think at the end of March, uh, at the end of April, first week of April, you're going to be seeing Michigan State cut down the nets on the heels of Denzel Valentine and Tom Izzo coaching. There you go. Wow. You got anything? Uh, yeah. Um, before I uh, bring on, bring on our next caller, who is who is the CEO of Two Sides of the Story? Um, we actually had this conversation not too long ago about the whole one and done in college basketball. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I pretty much went in on how all these players going into college only stand for one year because of the whole NBA rule that no players are into the league unless they play at least one year of college. Like, I mean, ever since that rule has been instituted into the NBA, a lot of college programs have suffered due to that rule. I mean, it's hard to actually get guys to commit to more than one year. It's hard to actually build a team that can be consistent throughout, I mean, be consistent throughout at least a few years. I mean, you don't have no more powerhouses in college basketball like you did. You don't have any real dynasties. You don't have any guys, any squads that you would say, okay, this team is the real deal of college basketball. You have a bunch of teams who are good but who possibly won't be as good following a season. Yeah, I, I, I think a good example of that, you know, that there are certain exceptions that are out there, not not due to talent constraints, but due to physical constraints. So what I mean by that, most notably this year, is Tyler Eulis, five six point guard uh out of Kentucky, who is I think the best pure point guard in the game right now. But unbiasedly, I you know, when when you look at Tyler Eulis, not only is he the best pure point guard in in the country in my opinion i he's also projected right now to go second late second round in the draft because you don't see a whole lot of guys in the 5659 range going pro because of the size constraint what you can see a guy who's 5659 do and we saw it of course with Muggsy Bogues in the early Charlotte Hornets days you know it, mm-hmm. you just can prove that you can play against bigger players and i think that Tyler Eulis so far has proven that. And a lot of people in Big Blue Nation, myself not being one of them, thinks that Tyler Eulis will be drafted this year. If you're a Kentucky Wildcats fan within the sound of my voice, I think you show great optimism that Tyler Eulis will be coming back uh, because I think that that he's just too short, frankly – to play in the league and only playing one year full-time for Coach Cal. He played several games last year, but certainly did not start all of them. I think that he still has to show the NBA scouts that he can play against taller opponents. So I think when you look at some people like that, you're going to see a couple of great dynasties, a couple of great players pull up every now and then. But certainly when you're drafting in a league that's drafting on potential, and several players have had no potential that have been drafted, uh, you know, I keep going back uh, to Anthony Bennett, absolutely zero potential. 
Kentucky had one in the first round. Uh, go go uh, the first year that John Calipari was there, and that was Daniel Orton. He's not even playing. Uh, he's not even playing basketball anymore. And you know, the, several of these people. And right now, Kentucky has another one on there that that I'd see no potential in, and that's Scalabrizier. And I I I just don't see potential in some of these players that the NBA is drafting. And I want my play – if I'm a company, and I've made this point for years now, if I'm a company, I want my employees to be fully trained. And guess who fully trains them? The NCAA, and by the NBA butting in and taking these kids out of development, you're, look, at, look, at, uh, look at Anthony Davis. For the first couple of years, Anthony Davis was certainly a, a name in in the NBA, but not as much as he is now. Now he's got you know the unibrow is everywhere now. It's everywhere. You can't exactly. you can't turn your head and see the unibrow. You know Steph Curry has certainly come out. Um, obviously he's certainly come out on his own. But you know it takes a couple of years for these guys to upstart in the NBA. So why pay them? When they can be playing for free in college, Anthony Davis plays four years in college and three or four years in college. Not only does Kentucky guarantee win the the NCAA championship every year, he goes makes an impact immediately instead of waiting a couple years uh, to uh, to really get kickstarted in the league. So I really think that not only is it a bad business model for the NBA to do this, I really think that they're paying extra all these millions of dollars to players that frankly don't deserve it at that point in their career. Well. Well, damn. I see you on that, but uh, I'm actually about to bring uh, bring one of the CEO poetry from to the skybox. Thanks for having me on. What's up, boss? How you doing? Hey, you know uh, we try we making to do what we do as always. We got uh, the doc was talking some real good stuff about the NCAA tournament kicking off next week. Some fun stuff. Great. Right, so I guess I guess it's about that time then. Time to really go in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sure is. Well, Doc, we I appreciate guess. you, man. I mean, you you pretty much wrote down March of Madness to a T. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. We uh we get a lot of uh we get a lot of March Madness, of course, uh, this time of year. The madness really kicks off. I think it's already kind of kicked off in some of these mid-major tournaments. But uh, the madness is really going to be starting this weekend. As some of these teams, they can't uh, they can't go dancing unless they uh, unless they win their tournament. LSU, for example, like I mentioned earlier, LSU is really on the hot seat in the SEC tournament. Um, and you know, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting tournament this year because as uh, as Champ said a second ago, and as I pointed out as well. Uh, it's really anybody's tournament. It is just it, – it's as wide open as I think I've ever seen it. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's been, like, it's been like that for a while, though, a few years. Yeah. But anyways, guys, thank you all for having me on. You all do a great show, and uh, I really appreciate you all uh, you all having me on, and uh, I hope to be on again. Uh, no problem. We, uh, we would like to have you back on. Thank you, Doc. Well, thank we you all very much. It. Y'all have a y'all have a good weekend and enjoy the madness that is March. Oh, you do the same. Okay.
Yeah, that was the doc. Triple Threat Talk. Uh, he he actually is broadcast locally on his local radio station down in Louisville. So uh, if you're in the Louisville area, look him up and take a listen to that show. It comes on 8 p.m. right before our show. So you can listen to that and then listen to us. So either yeah, you can <clears throat> listen to that, listen to that, listen to Hertz House, and then listen to us. So you got like three different ways to listen to sports talk. So. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I, I couldn't offer anything to that conversation. I'm not a big basketball fan, or, and especially NCAA basketball, because the NCAA sucks, but that's a completely different rant. Um, but I can definitely yeah. offer a lot to the next conversation. Before we kick off the NFL, there's one conversation that we need to have real quick. I mean, it's not worth it long. You remember, hey, Chad, I know you remember uh, when we used to do the little Choke Artist of the Week Award. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so over the weekend, the complete underdog, L.A. Lakers, beat the bricks off of the top-ranked Golden State Warriors. Like, I'm not even going to ask how, but the fuck happened? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can, I can see if they rested Stephen Curry though. I can see if they rested Draymond Green, Clay, Clay Thompson, Hell, even Harrison Barnes. But they had their full starters against Kobe and them. That Lakers team that played the Warriors looked like the Lakers team from 2009, 2010. What I mean, the fuck if you look at the if you look at the Warriors' losses, a lot of their losses have came to teams that, for lack of a better word, suck. Exactly. <laughs> teams under 500. Right. So I don't think it's necessarily a fact of the Warriors can't play them. I think the Warriors just was like, uh, why should? Why does it matter? You know? You know, um, I know there was a lot of talk of them matching up with the Bulls, you know, record. But yeah. the, I, I don't think that matters to them. Getting to the finals and getting another championship matters probably a lot more than matching or tying or besting the 95-96 Bulls. I mean, you, have, you do have a good point right there. You I have mean, a great chills, point. We talked, about this, we, we talked about this last week about, you know, can they can – they, Break the record, but then you look at how they get the ass whooped by L- by the Lakers, and it's like, huh, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I can see, I can see if this was a game where they just said fuck it. But I'm looking at this Warriors team. It was like they struggled. <laughs> they literally struggled. Like, I mean, they struggled scoring, shooting threes. I mean, things that they they've done so well during this season. I mean, definitely. <laughs> Struggled behind the arc. I mean, I think they they went like three and thirty something behind the line. Like, and that's yeah, kind I mean, of the problem when, when you have a team that lives and dies by their shot. By the three. Yeah, if, <laughs> and you know that, that some nights you're just going to be cold. It happens, you know. And and, and nobody's knocking stuff, you know. He, Steph is having one of the one of if not the craziest shooting year for any player 
any play. Exactly. When you when a, when you throw the ball up and your team member is already going to the other side celebrating, that's when you know you are having a crazy year when it comes to your shot. But it's not going to always fall. That's the, that's just the reality of the situation. Very much. I think this was his worst shooting game that he's had in a, like a, a while. I mean, I think he made like maybe three field goals at total, and one of those three field goals was from behind the arc. It was like he had an ugly stat line for that game, an ugly stat line. I thought I was just like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about this because I've never seen a stat line like this before. From no, I mean, the stat line was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, everybody has cold games, but that stat line was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. I, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, hopefully they could be. You know, they've been able to recover for the most part. But I think that I think that history might not be on their side to 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 outdo the Bulls from the uh, ninety five ninety six. And I think that record stays intact. Honestly, they 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 are still in the position to actually go for that record if they really wanted to. At this point, they're probably like, you know what. It's cool that we might get close to it, but let's get a ring. <laughs> let's get another ring. Let's repeat. Let's build a dynasty. Let's focus on getting ready for the playoffs, going through the Western Conference, and beating and knocking off Cleveland again. Well, see, it's not even guaranteed that Cleveland's going to make it to the finals. I'm kind of, it's the East. It's, it, it's not mean, a lot for them. It's I mean, not a lot for only Cleveland. only legitimate contender I can see giving Cleveland a a real go right now is I want to say Toronto, maybe Boston. My only thing with Boston is I think they're not experienced enough to actually handle Cleveland because I mean Cleveland is they're not looking too they're not it's not consistent. There's no chemistry. It's just no, I mean, I'm starting to see LeBron look worn down now. LeBron looks annoyed being in Cleveland. He just looks annoyed. He looks like he wants to do another uh, uh, announcement and say he's taking his talent somewhere else again. Yeah, that's what actually honestly, I was about to ask. Do you honestly see him staying there another year honestly, or two? I'm still shocked that he went back. I mean, I understand that he wants to bring a championship to his hometown and all. But let's be realistic. Uh, the team that he put together is is just not there. I mean, you already had Kyrie Irving, who's a star point guard. And LeBron, LeBron's style of play is pretty much similar to your typical facilitating point guard. So, I mean, that right there was, was already going to not really mesh together. Because Kyrie wants, still wants to be the star. But at the same time, with Kyrie's consistency of being healthy, I mean, it's not looking too good. I mean, then you then the Kevin Love trade. Honestly, I thought that was a bad trade. Kevin Love I mean, was a good trade from Minnesota. Soft to me, he's never been the type of player that exactly. you would need to be in the trenches with exactly. you. You know, Varejao exactly. is a better center to me for what they need than Love. You know, and I, Kevin just never, never felt like he was going to fit in that system. Never. Well, of course not. I mean, first of all, he's injury prone as fuck. Well. 
Let's get that out of the way. Now, you trade Andrew Wiggins, who has the potential to be better than Kevin Love, a guy who Cleveland could have molded into the next star when LeBron stepped down. I mean, they actually passed up the future of the franchise to get a, a guy that they thought that can help them win now. I'm sorry, Kevin Love is just not that piece. They're trying to use Kevin Love like Chris Boss was used in Miami. It's not going to work. Two different type of players, two t- different type of skill sets, two different types of mindsets. Kevin Love, I don't, I don't think he's really there to contribute to really be that much of a role player or contribute enough to help Cleveland get, get to that championship level. Hey, He's not tough enough. A hey, quick question. Is Chris Paul still doing those creeper things to make those creeper memes out there or not? Okay. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm done. Wow. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just saying, though, like, uh, that whole trade was just horrible. Like, I'm looking at Cleveland like, it's like, I want to say they're a guarantee lock, but the way Toronto's looking, uh, they might have to slow down a little bit. I mean, they might have to pick it up because uh, Toronto might actually give them a real run for their money. There you go. We'll but now let's you. move on. Let's move on to the, to the meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. The main event. Yeah, man. Everybody knows that the day the new league year started at 4 p.m., which means free agency. And uh, it, in previous years, it's usually a frenzy, but today it was a huge, huge frenzy. I mean, we were talking about some of the news during our production meeting earlier. I mean, exactly. And what better way to start off with this conversation than the big move that happened today, in which Denver, in a span of of three days, loses two quarterbacks. Uh, Peyton Manning retired. We're going to talk about Peyton Manning's retirement towards the end of the show. But then their backup, the man who was supposed to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, Brock Osweiler, gets lured away to Houston for a big money contract. $72 million over four years. Are you 30, serious? Thirty-eight guaranteed. Now, poetry. Now, poetry. You and I both agreed on the point that the money he's getting up front is kind of sketchy. Here's my problem with the contract. I don't have a problem per se with the actual contract. Four seventy-two. That's the market. I don't necessarily even have a problem with the guaranteed money. My problem is what you're getting for that money. If I, for example, if I put down, if I buy a car and it's $20,000, I just paid $20,000 for a car, I'd hope I'm getting a a car that's worth $20,000. You're not sure about that with Brock. He He played seven or eight games last season, and he did okay. But it's not enough of a resume to be like, okay, you are worth that money. What you are pretty much doing is saying, I hope you are worth that money. And for the Texans, they have a bad history of doing that. 
I, mm-hmm. Quick question. Can anybody name a Pro Bowl quarterback that the Texans had? I'll wait. Uh, nah. I want to say Matt Schaub went one year, but I, honestly, I don't want to trust that. Um, yeah, so I'm not. <sighs> The last time the Texans went to the playoffs and they actually made a nice run. Oh, I mean, they had been to the wait, no, no. I mean, it was one year they beat Cincinnati in the first round. I think everybody beat Cincinnati. uh, That don't don't count. That's like beating. You're right. You're right. That's like beat. That's like playing basketball and beating, especially. A special disabled kid in basketball. That don't count. Oh, that's like no, no, no. That's like that's like that's like ducking on somebody in a wheelchair. Right. You, you, that, that don't count. It don't. It's, no, no. And, and, and Cincinnati fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reach us at two sides of the story dot com. Send them. Y'all know it's the truth. Hashtag who they? <laughs> yeah, I have a problem with that. But anyway. I don't see any sunshine right now because of all this shade. Anyway, he's not worth that money, and I hope that it's more gold than fool for him for them for that for that contract because that's a lot of money up front for somebody that hasn't proven it. Okay. But uh, but uh, again, I understand it because that's kind of what the market dictates. Let's let us not all forget Jay Cutler stealing money in Chicago. He's just stealing money. They can't get rid of him. No bull. No nope. bull. But I know, like I know, hey. Houston. They wanted to make sure that their offense was going to get a boost. Not only going out and getting Brock Osweiler for that big money contract, but also getting Lamar Miller from Miami. Uh, signing him to a four-year deal worth $26 million and $14 million in guaranteed money up front. Uh, I love so, that deal. The Brock, yeah. Brock deal, I don't like, but that deal for Lamar Miller, that is the mm-hmm. steal of the offseason. Easily. And that will help mm. Brock this season because if you're not familiar with who Lamar Miller is, go check whoever you played against and if they had Lamar Miller, that's probably the reason why you lost in fantasy. Yeah, um, I mean that boy's a beast. I mean, and he I mean, has he's so one much of those upside. very balanced backs. I mean, he's a very balanced back. I mean, he can run up the middle. He can run outside. He can catch out the backfield, and you can line him up as a receiver. Like, and he can block. That that, that, that there aren't too yeah. many runners that block nowadays. But he can actually protect your quarterback if you need him to. And he's he's he'll, that well. He'll, he'll be a great replacement for Arian Foster because Lamar Miller is a lot more durable than Arian Foster. No disrespect to Arian Foster. Arian Foster was a great bat, but that Batman was softer than drugstore cotton. And I think Lamar yeah, Miller is yeah. a lot more durable and will be a lot. A lot will definitely be a, a safety valve for for Brock Osweiler when he uh, when he takes over under center um, starting next, uh, later this season. Never. A phone case from five below is more durable than Arian Foster. 
and, and you know, to all our Houston friends that listen to that's going to listen to this episode, we've I've talked to a few of them. You've said this yourself. You know, the Houston Texans will either make you love them or make you hate them. I think that's everybody with any of their teams. But the Houston Texans really, it's never. You know, they're kind of getting it right. You know, they're kind of in the middle. No, they're either right on or they're all the way off. And for so far, for the most part, they got they looked out with J.J. Watt. He's great. But for the most part, usually all the way off when it's either draft picks or signings. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my. I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, and this is about to be uh, his third season, and we haven't really seen much of uh, Big John Clowney, you know. That uh, fool can't even get on the field. Is he still? Even, I don't even know if the Texans still have him. Do they still have him? Uh, apparently, they still do. I believe. Uh, I, yeah, I, I give him credit though. On the roster. I think he's still on the I roster. I give him credit though. DeAndre Hopkins. That was a hell of that was a hell of a steal. <laughs> Bruh. That's what I was saying Anytime earlier. You... But we were that's what I was saying earlier when we were chatting, I was like, Brock Osweiler, who had shown flashes some flashes uh during his time when he was starting this past season on the uh Broncos Super Bowl run. Then you add Lamar Mill in the backfield. Then you add Hawkins who's gonna be in his second year and he was just a beast last uh-huh. year. Oh, third year, I'm sorry. Third year. I mean you got to think about it. This team is definitely really trying to bolster up its offense because defense is already solid. It's all, defense is already mm-hmm. solid. They're trying to bolster their offense. They're trying to make it so that that defense is going to keep points off the board, and they're going to make it so that that team can put points on the board. And, yeah, I think that I, it'll be time. It'll be time will tell whether these two moves that they made just today will be those moves that will put make their offense a much more high-power offense. But for right now, on paper, it looks pretty – it looks okay. It looks okay. And, and the thing you have to think about, too, is when you think of the landscape of the AFC, you know, Broncos no longer a problem. Um, Patriots, right. they are on the downside of a lot of their players. They have some young players, but the players that matter are on the downside of their careers. The Colts, yep. I'm not sure what happened last year with, with Luck. Is it go, is that going to be more of the trend, or is he going to get back to what he used to be? But, you know, when you look at each of the AFC divisions, you know, it's wide open. Anybody with the right moves can really just step in and be that team to be. You got a point there, uh, but I got to give credit to Hopkins. So uh, he might, he might actually be able to be the best thing for uh, for Brock, considering the fact that he made Case Keenum, Brandon Whedon, Ryan Hoyer, and the other bum look like respectable quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, they was they, they had decent numbers under with DeAndre Hopkins. So this should be interesting. Hopefully. Houston did right by this move for Brock. But let's let's keep it rolling with more free agency though. Matt Forte, he's about to become the new the new man new man in the backfield in, in New York, signing a deal with the Jets who uh are looking to replace Chris Ivor who's going to Jacksonville. 
uh, I don't have in front of me the uh, exact terms of the contract, but apparently uh, they're getting Matt Forte for two million less than Chris Ivory leaving for leaving for it in Jacksonville. That's according to ESPN's Ed Werder that he's getting. They're getting him for two million less than what Jacksonville's paying for uh, Chris Ivory. So think about that. I mean, I can't be mad at Chris Ivory. He was, of course, he's yeah. for a while ago. He was, with, he was with the Saints. Right now, he's chasing the money. I mean, I ain't mad at him. Yeah. If somebody's willing to pay you, pay you. But I don't. I've never thought he was going. He's ever been going to be a feature back. And so far, he's proven me right. He has spurts, but consistency, and even sometimes being healthy, is a problem for him. I hope maybe going to Jacksonville and he can split it with Yeldon that it will help, but I I don't know. Jacksonville is a whole nother problem all of its own. But I am back happy for Matt Forte. The Jets are a team to look 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 for. Last year they didn't do bad. They hung in for the most part with a lot of their games. And I'm not sure what they're gonna do about the quarterback situation. I'm hoping they keep it the same because it seems like Brandon Marshall works well with them. And now you have Matt Forte, a proven back. You might have to look out for the Jets. And it's been a while since we said that, but you really might have to look out for the Jets. Yeah, it really has. I mean, they went 10 and 6 this past season and missed the playoffs by one game. Yeah. And I mean, if if they're smart, they bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick really gave gave them a chance to win a lot of those games. And, I mean, the man is a smart guy. He's a proven veteran. I mean, he's not he hasn't won a lot, but he really showed himself last year. I think you give him uh you give him a couple more years and I think he brings you to the he brings you into the playoffs. Because especially if he has Matt Forte back there along with Brandon Marshall out there in the wideouts and that defense, I mean, I think that you need to bring they need to bring him back. They do. Right now he's a free agent, but they need to bring him back. Seriously. Yeah. Don't let him go nowhere. I mean, they had confidence in Gino going into uh going into training camp. I mean, they say Gino was looking better before his jaw got broken, but uh this is Gino. Um I can't I have to see that before I can believe it. So bring him back uh Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the best move for the Jets as far as having a consistent quarterback that can keep you into games, that can also help you win games. I mean, the chemistry is there between him and his receivers. Not with just, not just, not with just Brandon Marshall, but also the other receivers like Aaron Decker, Eric Decker, and, uh, well, they got rid of, uh, they got rid of uh, Curly today. Got rid of Curly today. Jeremy Curly is no longer a New York Jet. There you go. And, and the thing about Fitzpatrick that I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's played with a lot of horrible teams. You know, he was with the Rams. He was with the Bengals. He was with the Bills. He was with the Titans. He was with the Texans. Now he's with the Jets. And he's actually making the Jets into a – respectable team. And even with those teams he made bad, it's always been the teams, those teams when those years they've been playing with him, 
they're still respectable. They're bad, but they're not losing. They're not getting blown out. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah. Because yep. I remember his run with the Texans. They were pretty good. They weren't the best, but they were pretty good. Yeah. They were. They were a good team. Uh, speaking of a team that looks like it's trying to get back on, on the right track is Atlanta. They went out and they got themselves a, uh, a Pro Bowl center who used to be in Cleveland who decided to get the hell out of Cleveland, Alex Mack. They decided him to a five-year deal. Mad is shit. <laughs> out of all the free agents in this day, that was available. That was one that I wanted the Skins to go after. Really could have, we really could have used Alex Mack on our offensive line, but you know what? I'm not. Going, I'm not going to throw a rant about it. Carry on. And as a Saints fan, another piece of Felkaint news that I was happy about is that they signed Matt Schaub again. I don't know why, but we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> wait, 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 Matt Schaub, like the former. Uh... The former backup no. for the Falcons is back, in the back Michael, Michael with the Falcons. Right. right. Is back with the as Falcons a as a backup for Matt Ryan. Yeah, that that happened. That happened. So wait, 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 wait. You got, you go back to the team where you started your career at as a backup to return years later as a backup. Now the one thing I, that just popped in my head, and it literally just popped in my head, maybe he's about to retire and he wants to retire a Falcon. But his best years were not, you know what, moving on. <laughs> his, I'm, I'm just saying, his best years were not in Atlanta, though. So. Do you really no. want to call those his best years, though? Think about it. Okay. okay. Hey, hey, they were better, they were better than his years in Atlanta. Uh, that's yeah. debatable. That's debatable. Yeah, but uh, but according to uh, NFL.com, apparently, like with Mac getting landing in Atlanta, a good word was put in for Mac by coordinator and former Redskins offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan, who worked who worked together. They worked together with each other in 2014 when Kyle was in Cleveland, and everybody knows that. Like I said, Mac voided the, um, his contract. With the Browns, so so he got the hell out of town, and now he's in a better situation than Atlanta. So good on him. He ain't got to deal with that madness no more. Uh, and matter of fact, Johnny Mandel you know still we on the talk roster. About the Browns. We Johnny Mandel still Cleveland. on the roster. We, I mean, we need to talk about Cleveland, think, huh? We need to really talk about Cleveland here, because um, besides Alex Mack, they lost quite a few other players. Johnny Manziel is still on the roster. I'm going to start a GoFundMe for Cleveland fans because they need all the money they can to get all the medication they can for dry eyes because they're going to be crying their hearts out even more this year because only the Browns can find a way to make their team worse. I didn't think it was possible. But they okay. have excelled at making their team even worse. Okay. 2014 was actually a come-up year for the Browns. They finished 7-9 and nine that year. The, those nine losses were fucking games that they were in. 
a year later, these motherfuckers, what, won three games? Yeah. Then free agency hits, and you lose pretty much all four of your superstars. You lose Alex Mack. They lost Gibson in safety. Uh, they lost their star receiver. It was somebody else that they lost. But pretty much all your all your uh, big name stars that you actually had on your team. Well, I ain't gonna call them big name stars, but your Pro Bowl players got the fuck out of Cleveland. Yeah, John Cleveland is still on your roster. You even after even after Cleveland, you said cryptic, even after you said a cryptic news release, basically saying y'all were gonna release him when the new league year started. It's now almost it's almost midnight. And it's about the eleven thirty, and he's still on the roster. Well, what's up he's like on that? the roster on paper, but right now he's possibly at somebody's club. Getting, you know what? I'm, no, <laughs> he's still on the roster. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Oh my he's god. He's doing something to 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 disrespect that team even more than he's already done. But then again, it's the Browns. They've been just they've been. Disrespecting themselves for the past. Hold up, wait. Well, hold up, wait, wait, wait. Jim Brown and Paul Brown were in Cleveland back in the sixties. Well, they've been disrespecting themselves ever since Art Modell bought the team. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, you know what, Johnny Manziel, he's he's still on the roster on paper, but he's probably down in Texas trying to meet another white girl that he can slap. Around. Okay, all right. Uh, so moving no, on. Um, <laughs> uh, so moving on. Uh, so how about Detroit? Uh huh. Happy trails, Johnny. Yeah, but Detroit, they're keeping they're keeping Haloti Nada in the fold on their defensive side for another two years. Uh, they resigned him to a two year deal, and at thirty two. I mean, he still commands double teams when he's on the line and pushing the pocket back on quarterbacks. Uh, he came to Detroit after spending most of his, spending his early years with the, the Ravens. Uh, and he was almost, I guess, he was, you know, supposed to be like a replacer for and Dominican Sue went to Miami, who we didn't hear much of last year, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so it looks like that mm. he's going to stay, stay put in De- Endeavor. There's a couple – there were a couple of signings today that were people were re-signing and staying with the, their team. Uh, Nada was one with Detroit. Antonio Gates is going to stay in San Diego one. for two more years. Yeah, he's going to. I really feel like he's going to retire our Chargers. I'm not saying yeah. that anybody else would want him, but like when you think of the Chargers, kind of think of Antonio Gates kind of fits into everything that they've accomplished over the past, let's say, decade. Yeah, exactly. Oh, very much so. Very much so. He exactly. had a two-year deal worth $12 million. Uh, he's he's getting something, something. He's getting some nice money, and he's entering his age 36 campaign. So, Porter, you might be right. I think that this might be a play to retire as a Charger. At this point, you, you, he's on again. He's another player on the downside of his career. He can go somewhere and just sit around and be there for special plays and maybe get a ring, or you can just take the money. At this point, you're just take the money. You know, the, exactly. the, the Chargers have been loyal and faithful to you. 
take the money. Yep. And somebody who else is taking the money and staying put is uh, Doug Martin. They call him the Duggernaut. He's gonna he signed a deal, five year deal, thirty five point seven five million dollars. Fifteen million is guaranteed, and it covers an average of seven point two five million dollars over the first three years, with the maximum value of the deal being forty two and a half million dollars. You know, I'm Can anybody usually... say they're surprised by this? I'm honestly, I'm a little surprised. I'm all for a person getting their money, especially when it comes to the NFL, because of the way they have like their, their contract situated. You know, he should have left. And here's why: age he's at, you should you're closer to that hill, and the way he runs yep. and the way he takes hits, he should have left, went somewhere where he could have got a ring. And then chase the money because the money's going to be there, regardless. But right, but I don't think that was necessarily a smart move. Again, I'm all for people getting their money, so I ain't mad at that. I just don't. I think he's going to be one of those people that's going to be looking back, seeing that he made money, but he lost out on an opportunity to get a ring. Yes, it's true. Uh, I mean, he is point, at twenty. He is twenty-six years old. Uh, and he's basically he, he had a big year in 2015, rushed for 1,402 yards, which was second only to AP, and averaged about 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, so this is a definitely a, a big time thing for for this guy who was going into his fifth year. He um, had a good rookie year. Uh, with the 30, he was the 31st overall pick in the 2012 draft. He had a breakout rookie campaign, but then he struggled in 2013, 2014 before having a big year last year. So we'll see what happens. He'll he'll be in the backfield with Charles Sims as a one-two backfield punch there. So I'm looking for. I want to see how that's going to work out, though. I want to see how that's going to work out. It's going to be interesting. Tampa Bay is another team that has a lot of young players that are coming around. Can we talk? And just a quick shout out, Jameis Winston. You know, even though you're in my division, you know, because I'm 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 a Saints man, NFC South. I'm happy that he had a pretty good year. It wasn't the best year, but he had a pretty good year last year. So with Jameis Winston and now Doug Martin. And they have a coach, a reliable coach. Tampa Bay is going to be a team to look out for. Not immediately, but they're going in the right direction. Yes, indeed. And uh, here are some yeah. other here's some other moves that were made, uh, at least for this first day. Uh, you got uh, Rodney McLeod, uh, who is a Rams safety. He's now going to Philly. On a five-year deal worth thirty-seven million, seventeen million is guaranteed. So Philly's trying to get, trying to really bolster their defense, getting him. Though they gate, though they sent Kiki, uh, uh, Kiki, uh, Kiko Alonso uh, to Miami for a draft pick. Uh, so there's that 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 little move there. Uh, Kiko, uh, Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, Byron Maxwell, and the and the thirteenth overall pick. To Miami yep. for an eighth, the eighth overall pick. 
So there's that. Okay. Um, who won that trade? Who won that trade? That's I think a good mutual, question. I think that's a mutual win-win situation. You know, you don't get too many trades where somebody wins and somebody loses. But I think that's a mutual. They both gain something from that one. Yeah, I mean, for Miami, I mean, they they picked up pieces for their defense. Uh, right. Maxwell, who did both, – I mean, both players struggled in Philly because, well, Philly wants a different scheme. I mean, Maxwell was, wasn't used to that in Seattle. Like, now you want to Miami. Miami plays a lot of cover. I think he'll be okay in that Miami system. Same with Pico Alonso. Plus, I mean, you got to look at the other pieces that Miami has brought in during, during this free agency. I mean, mm-hmm. they have Mario Williams. Mm-hmm. They still have uh, Nadal Gassou from last season. I mean, they still have Cameron Waite. I mean, this Miami team has some studs on it. Right, and it's not that yeah, much of a. It's not that big of a jump. I'm pretty sure who they're target, targeting probably would probably still be there at 13 as well. Exactly. So, I mean, they you know what? Which which is why the Eagles were willing to give up players that they you know they were plug and play players anyway for, for this particular scheme they run. But they were they're targeting exactly. somebody that obviously they were afraid wasn't going to be there after eight. And also they got rid of pretty much every player that Chip Kelly has brought into Philly via trade or free agency. Yeah, like, you know, they traded DeMarco to the Tennessee Titans for a case of MD-20 and a car in the Newport, though. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, uh, can I tell you how interesting that trade went down was? When I saw it, I was like, Really? Tennessee, right. and I was at first I was like, "That's crazy," and then I thought about it. Oh, Marcus Mariota. Oh, exactly. That might be interesting, depending on how their line is. I haven't kept up with Tennessee in a while, so I'm not sure how their line is. But I know Marcus gives you at least that dual threat with his feet, and he he has a pretty has a pretty strong arm. So exactly. that that should be interesting. Um, now I can really see that that they will use that their draft pick on uh, offensive linemen. They're possibly going to go go for a left tackle now. But I mean, I look at I look at Tennessee. Like, okay, they brought in Demarco Murray. Honestly, I think Demarco will benefit being in Tennessee because again, he did not fit uh, Chip Kelly's scheme. This is a guy that runs up the middle. He made his living in Dallas running up the middle. Philly, you don't run up the middle in a Philly. You run outside, you run reverses, you and you come out of the backfield as a receiver. That's that DeMarco's strong point. So I think the first off of DeMarco would actually give him something to rejuvenate, well, rejuvenate his career. He, right, he needs to go to a team that has at least a decent O-line. And me, you, Ken, my son, and Ken's son can run through the Phillies O-line. <laughs> this is true, though. He's right, you know. <laughs> He's right. Terrible. And then, 
Um, also, you know, in the NFC South, you know, poetry uh, team's division, uh, Panthers are deciding to keep Mike Tolbert for another two years. He signed a two-year deal to stay with the Panthers. Uh, with Megatron, with Megatron's departure via retirement, uh, Marvin Jones has agreed to a deal to join the Lions to help fill that void. So Marvin Jones will, Jones will now be the the man the man with the target on his back is uh, in Detroit with Matt Stafford being his quarterback. Uh, yeah, good luck to that guy. Mm. I, I, I want to talk on this one. Um, this is right now that classic case of a number two receiver going to a team through free agency, getting that number one money and expecting expected to perform like a number one. We've seen We've seen this plenty of times with Alvin Harper back in the day, going going in free agency to Tampa and not producing. We've seen this with Aaron Decker <laughs> leaving Denver to go to to the Jets to be the number one receiver. I mean, we've we've seen this, so on and so on. Hell, fucking Skins done it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm not going to throw any shade on Marvin Jones. I wish him the best, but. Until he can, until this season, until this summer season starts, I'm looking at him as a classic number two receiver, about to get put into a position of being forced into being a number number one. Yes, he does have Golden Tate on the opposite end. He has Matthew Stafford, but you're feeling sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. (laughs) Now what? You know what? I, I, I was going to give Matthew Stafford the benefit of the doubt. Um, but don't I, I, get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to. When Matthew when is he's on, hot, he's hot. But when he's bad, he's bad. It's <laughs> he is terrible. Like he's this. He's a guy that will give you five touchdowns one game and give you five interceptions the next. Then, then you look at your phone. You see. You just see that you started him, and he just cost you a fucking crucial game, right? And 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 that's and that's always been my my hit on Matthew Stafford. He has skill; he's just not consistent. There's been plenty of times I start him on fantasy football, and then I and then I pull up the app and I look at his stats, and I just want to throw my damn phone and say, "I hate you, Matt Stafford." He is the epitome of. What the hell just happened when it comes to NFL fantasy football? If you don't start him, usually that's when he has a good game. But it, but because you've seen that good game, you're like, all right, I'm gonna start him next week, next week. Five and five, five interceptions. What the fuck? Yeah, I, that's the reason why I will never draft him. That to be my main I, quarterback. I can't. Yeah, oh well, yeah, he would. He can. He can never be my main quarterback. I draft him just to. Have him as a backup for when my quarterback goes on by, but nah. That's about the main yeah. quarterback. Nah. Exactly. Nah. Exactly. And then Forty Niners uh, re-signed line, defensive lineman Ian Williams to a five-year contract, so he's staying put in, in San Fran. Oh, guess who else is staying put in their their current location? Colt McCoy. He's staying here in D.C. for three more years. He signed a three-year deal to stay here. To be a backup, most likely, uh, but in the off chance that after one year Kurt doesn't sign doesn't sign a long term deal, 
that might end up being our starter in 2016, 2017. Oh, fuck. You know what? Oh, oh good grief. You know what? <laughs> it happens. It happens. I'm not even going to be mad at this point. Fuck it. We put ourselves in this position. <laughs> I mean, sad part is I actually like Colt. He's just not consistent enough to be a starter. Oh, hold up, nah, time out, nah, hold up, nah, time out, chill. No, I remember, and y'all look back on the archives on this shit, I remember, chills, you were Colt McCoy's biggest damn advocate on this show when we had both RG3, Kurt, and, or, and Colt. You were Colt's biggest advocate. You were his you know biggest I advocate. I was, I was, <laughs> I'll give you that. But at the same time, like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm still a Colt McCoy fan. But at the same time, he's still not consistent enough to win you much. He can get you a couple of games, but a division title or, hell, a nine-win season, uh, I don't know. If he had to put together a game-winning drive, yeah. Um, y'all remember the year Madden had uh, uh, featured a heartbeat on the game-winning field goal? You had to kick the game when it still go. It was like yeah, little yeah, going off, and the controller yeah. stop will vibrate the whole time. That's yeah. how I, that's how I feel. <laughs> like my heart would start beating real fast, and everything in my room would just start to just move until he actually could put together the drive. That's how I would feel. <laughs> that's funny. But hey, I mean, but like I said, if it doesn't work out with with Kirk getting a long term deal, he could be our starting quarterback next season because he's here for three years. Whereas Colt, I mean, Kirk's deal is a is a franchise tag. So we'll exactly. see what happens. So, uh, Janoris wait, Jenkins. Wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 re, let's uh let's talk about this though. So if Kirk does not get a deal next year. And that will leave Colt McCoy the only receive, uh, quarterback that we have on our roster. Yep. What would that say about us letting go RG? It will say a lot, especially if he ends up either in Denver, because Denver's now high on the list to be get to get him now that they don't have a quarterback on their roster, really. Or if they exactly. end up going to Dallas, and we see him twice a year. That will say, say a lot. Oh my God, I'm already starting to regret it because I know he, I know he's gonna outperform every. He's gonna outperform what people say that he's gonna outperform what everybody say about him. I mean, I, mean, I think he he, can, he has the talent too, and I think he will. We'll see. I mean, we'll, it, it, you never know what can happen there uh, with him wherever he lands. Uh, but how about this though? You, I think you had you told us about this earlier, Chills, about Janoris Jenkins heading, yes. heading east to the New York Giants. He signed a five-year Fucking deal to join the Giants' um, see, man. secondary. I'm mad at shit at that, too. Because he was one <laughs> of the other guys I wanted the skins to actually pick up. I mean, only two free two agents, for real. Two big big names. Alex Mack and Janoris Jenkins. Now, here's the Jenkins question. Says, Obviously, you saw what he was looking for because they. Paid, I'm pretty sure that's around the range he was looking for. 
Are, yeah. Were you willing for the skins to pay that? Honestly, for the simple fact that we paid Albert Hainsworth a hundred mil, why not? <laughs> I mean, I give Janoris Jenkins more more credit for the simple fact that he has a better body of work than Albert Hainsworth did. Albert Hainsworth had one good season. Janoris Reese has two to three. I mean, also, our secondary still needs help. We have a good corner in Rashad Breeland, but we don't have anyone that can really handle the opposite side of that. We still need safety help. I mean, we do have some cap room to move around. And the fact that we released RG, I mean, that freed up over $16 million. Then the fact, I mean, then all the other players that the skins released, like Hot Rose, Fletcher, I mean, not Fletcher, but uh, Jason Hatcher, uh, Deshaun Ghoster, I mean, that also freed up some money. So uh, I think we, I think what he got, I think we could have matched that. But in Scott Icehurst, so I'm going to let it be. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go through. Uh, some of these other signings real quick because I definitely want to take time to talk about Peyton Manning retiring and ask a, a, a very legitimate question. All right, so Rolando McClain is going to stay in Dallas for another year. He signed a one-year deal. Uh, Safety George Oka is uh, staying on, staying in Cincinnati for five more years. Deal's worth $30 million. Uh Tight end mm-hmm. Darius Green is planning to visit the Steelers tomorrow. And there is strong interest on both sides to, to sign a contract. So there's a possibility that Darius Green could end up in Pittsburgh uh, going into this season. Uh, Kenrick Ellis uh, will stay with the Minnesota Vikings, terms of the deal not disclosed. Uh, and uh, former Houston Texans uh, offensive guard Brandon Brooks will be heading to Philly. Uh, Five year deal worth $40 million. And former New York Jet nose tackle Damon Harrison. Will be still playing in uh, MetLife Stadium, but this time it's not going to be in Gang Green. It's going to be in Blue. The New York Giants are signing to a, a free agent contract deal. Terms of the deal uh, not disclosed. Also, Jason Pierre-Paul is staying in New York, and Richie Incognito. Everybody remembers that name. Uh, he's going. He's going to the Buffalo Bills to play for Rex, for Rex Ryan. Uh, Double law. He's staying in Buffalo. Yeah, he's gonna sign. He signed a three-year deal to be in Buffalo and work, play for Ray, for uh, Rex Ryan and all that other stuff. Uh, so there's that. And um, Chase Daniel is following his offensive coordinator Doug Peterson to the Philly. He signed a deal to come to Philly. The assumption was he was signed to be a backup, but it was announced that Chase Daniel will compete with Sam Bradford for the starting job in Philly. Oh, wow. Uh, that's interesting. That? <laughs> Ain't it? Oh, Especially yeah. because they just signed Bradford to a two-year extension. They just mm. signed Bradford to a two-year extension, and now he's got to compete for that job. 
Love. I'll throw the Philly fans in with that GoFundMe account that I was making for the Cleveland fans. Um, you know what? I, 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 I just want to know who is the GM? Who is the GM for Philly? Because they haven't made very good football decisions in a while, in, in a pretty in a pretty long time. Uh, yeah, you know um, what? I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah, um, their last great uh, business decision towards football is currently in Kansas Getting rid City. of Chip Kelly. That's about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good – you know what? Uh, it was a good one. Then again, they also hired him, so it's like – right, you know. He's right, you know. <laughs> that Oregon Duck offense. Exactly. So, but I think one of the other big news that uh, the, another big news that came out of this off season happened earlier this week. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, almost a month after he won his second Super Bowl ring, uh, this time with the Denver Broncos, it was already speculated, it was already reported, it was already talked about. But Peyton Manning called it a career, uh, retiring after 18 seasons in the league. Uh, Peyton Manning retires with two Super Bowl rings and a career career stat line of 71,940 yards, 539 touchdowns, 251 INTs, and a career passer rating of 96.5. And also, in his 18-year career, he has missed a total of 20 two regular season games in his career. Everybody knows he missed 11 games. He missed the entire 2011 season because of neck surgery. And then he mm-hmm. missed six regular season games this past season due to injury, to injury to his foot. Pretty much every season he's been, except for 2011-2015, he has played every game that season. Um, so the question I wanted to ask you guys is the news of Peyton retiring along with Megatron, Marshawn Lynch, and Charles Woodson. And Jared Allen. Do you think and Jared Allen? Do you? I didn't even think about Jared Allen to be honest with you. I was just thinking about those four. Do you think that mm-hmm. those four, those five guys, are going to make up the Hall of Fame class of 2021? Excluding Jared Allen, because I don't think he gets in on his first time. Right. <sighs> Maybe even Beast Mode or Megatron. They're not going to let both of them go. One one's going to get snubbed. The other one is going to make it. But Woodson and Manning, they're they're surefire. They're you can't not let them be first ballot. That's Those automatic. two are guaranteed. That's automatic. I don't know if Megatron or is a first ballot. I'm not sure if Beast Mode is a first ballot. If gun to my head and you make me pick, I'm going to pick um, Beast Mode over Megatron because the one thing that Beast Mode has more than the Megatron, he has a ring. Exactly. Mm. So you know, you know what's funny? Me, mm-hmm. me, and a coworker of mine were talking about this earlier today. Uh, before I, before I came home from work, and 
he the first when I asked him, I asked him the same question, and he said that he he felt he didn't think that Beast Mode would get in on his uh, on the first ballot. Um, he thinks that Megatron will definitely get in on his first ballot because I mean his, the numbers speak for himself. I mean, granted, I think what'll keep him from getting in, the, in on the first ballot is the fact that he doesn't have a ring. But I mean, his numbers just speak volumes. His number speaks volumes to the type of player that he is, and especially because he played on such a god awful team for so many years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch had, had, had a very good stat line as well for his career, and he has a ring. I mean, if I I think what may end up happening is both of them don't get in on the first ballot, and then either one of them gets in on the second over the other, or something like that. The problem that Marshawn will have when it comes to his Hall of Fame, he'll he'll eventually get in. I'm not sure how many times, but he'll eventually get in. He definitely is in the first ballot. Um, His treatment of the media is going to be his downfall. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Oh, my God. His treatment of the media will will come back to bite him in the behind. And he doesn't care, Yo. quite honest with you. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care. But that would be... I understand be that, what, though. I understand that, though. I ain't mean to cut you off, So, but. taking that into consideration, Megatron gets in before Beast Mode. All right. Here's why I'm at with it. Honestly, we all know Peyton and... Woodson will get in on okay first ballot. I mean, that's not that's a no brainer. Uh, Jared Allen, he even though he is ninth in uh, all time stats, second I, I I I give him second at best. I mean, it's very that's being I don't see him getting in. I'm I'm I just see him getting in second. I mean, that's he is in the top ten of all. All-time facts. I mean, he had a couple of good he years. Played. He had like two or three good years, but after, before and after that, he's been non-existent. He has, the consistency, the problem. I, third ballot, fourth ballot, yeah. I, second ballot is kind of high. His years in Minnesota were great. I mean, he averaged double digit sacks while he was a Minnesota Viking, but. If you look at that Chicago, that run with the Chicago Bears and <clears throat> with the uh, uh, reigning NFC champions, the Carolina Panthers, I mean, you do see the decline. Um, Beast Mode and Megatron, boy, God, for Beast Mode, it will be his PR. <laughs> I mean, his relationship with the media. I mean. We all know why he's the way he is with the media because back in Buffalo, when he did respond to the media, he got in trouble. So he said after media when he went to Seattle. Uh, that will be his downfall uh, for not getting in on his first ballot, his first, second, even third ballot. <laughs> I don't think they I don't think they hold him that second. Hard, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think they hold him past second. I'm going to be honest with you. You can't deny him past second. Second will be iffy. He's 50-50 there. But after the second, he'll definitely be on by the third. 
I'll show you about the second and third ballot. Uh, Megatron. He's done some great things, considering the fact that he's played in Detroit. <laughs> he was the last remaining member of the 2008 Detroit Lions that went 0-16. He's went from terrible to not too bad, kind of, sort of, but not good yet. So, I mean, you guys think, I mean, this man had a 2,000-yard receiving year. <laughs> He's had some great fucking seasons as a Detroit Lions. He's made shitty quarterbacks look great. But due to his position and the fact he doesn't have a ring, because honestly, I can't think of one receiver that got in on their first ballot outside of Jerry Rice. Megatron doesn't get in off the first. Second is a maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Third is third is 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 possible. Because I mean, it's a lot of receivers that have rings that didn't get into their third, fourth, or eighth ballot or month. Um, but yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, it's been years to get in. Yeah, but we'll we'll find out in about five years if, if they get in or not. But uh, yo, we literally just did a two-hour show and fit everything we need to fit in, in in two hours. Oh shit! Well, three minutes to spare. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just posted something on the uh, on the Skybox uh, group. Steph Curry. I, I can't with Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry, that dude is not human. So Golden State goes into the half, and Steph Curry makes a near half-court shot and banks it in before the buzzer for Golden State to go up 52-41 to 41 over Utah. That just happened like about half an hour ago. Like I said, sometimes you sometimes you're not hot, no. you're not hot, but when but this dude, okay, it was you can forgive near, one bad game when he's making crazy shots like that, effortless. Look, at that. It wasn't near half court; it was before half court, dude. That that's crazy. When was the last time you seen somebody throw up a half court shot and didn't even worry about it? He just knew it was going in. It's I mean, crazy. I mean, just looking exactly. at it, it was like he knew exactly where to hit off the backboard where it was just going to go into the net. And it just, it was perfect. It banked off and boom, right in the net. I, like, all I can say is, hey, young, really? Dude is unreal. All right, I guess we can go ahead and close, close out this this nice little show. I had fun. This is fun. Yeah, I did too. Uh, special shout out for our guests that came on, the CEO Poetry, Doc. I mean, it's been a fun show, y'all. Chad, go ahead, go ahead, do the uh, go ahead, do the lineup for this week. All right. Well, this week, tomorrow night on My Check is a special edition of My Check. It's an hour and a, it's a ninety-minute show, and we're doing a, an on-air interview. It's my first on-air interview uh, with the young man known as Darren. The Soul Entertainer, 
his album just came out today, and we're going to be talking about that along with some other things with him. Uh, so I can't wait for that. Plus, we're going to be uh, we're going to also be talking about uh, what decade uh, had the best music. So definitely tune in for that. I can't wait. That's Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, also. Uh, on Friday, you got His and Hers, our CEO poetry, along with the rest of the His and Hers crew. We give you all that relationship talk and advice. So y'all make sure y'all tune in at 10 p.m. on Friday. Uh, on Sunday, morning at 10, you have the refresh uh, with Dolce Diva and the Bishop Eddie, uh, the Bishop Eddie Kane. And just one little side uh, note on our brother station, two, two side, uh, True Radio Network, uh, at 8 p.m., right before my check, I will be in my uh, BEWA character hosting our radio show, BEWA Presents Warfare. Uh, getting ready for this Saturday show. We're going to be talk- on there for two hours, so I'll be on there before I go on for my check. So, trust and believe me, I'm going to be a very tired, very exhausted champ with all this set up by 11.30 tomorrow. I can tell you that much, but I can't wait. Well, it's been real, y'all. It's been fun. Y'all got two out of two hours out of us tonight. Hope y'all enjoyed. Thank you for listening. It's been real. Mike uh, Skybox, we are out. Chills. Catch y'all next week. Bye bye. Bye.